and early. <laughs> Thank you all for joining our um, monthly parenting devotional. And um, I'm going to start us off with a prayer. And then Sari is going to introduce our guest speakers today. And then we're going to turn it over to them. But uh, let's uh, bow our heads together and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you, God. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your incredible uh, word. Thank you for, for showing us what the perfect father looks like. And, and God, we are just so grateful that you gave us the gift of your son, Jesus, and that we can learn how to live. We can learn how to, to parent. We can learn how to respond. Uh, and, and ultimately, we can learn how to love you with all of our heart, minds, and soul because of him. I'm so grateful that we, we're able to have the Riveras with us this morning. And I pray, God, that you open wide our hearts Help us to, to learn, help us to listen, and, and just have a great time. Fill uh, the Rivera's with your spirit, and um, I pray, God, that we will get what we need so that we can be our very, very best for you. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Welcome, Rivera's. <clears throat> we are so excited you know, to have you with us today. The Rivera's are truly family. Not just spiritually, but we are actually related through marriage on uh, Arlene's side, and so um, and so exciting that we get to you know be related on both sides, you know. Uh, so uh, we are just this is a treat for us, you know, to have your family with us today, and um, we've also led and directed camp together for several years, you know. So I'm telling you, those pictures that Russ have, that's just a drop in the bucket. Yes. Of how many more pictures he has. I mean, we literally could get together just us and go through all of our memories together. So this is this is a treat for us. Um, I'm gonna share their bio. Uh, Steve and Arlene Rivera became Christians in the New York City Church back in the 1980s as college students. Arlene was at Pace University and Steve was at NYU. They have been married for over 31 years and have two children, Bailey, who's 26 and Cooper 21. Bailey is a Towson University graduate with a degree in psychology, working for RISE for Autism and is a member of the Singles Ministry in Baltimore. Cooper is a junior at Arizona State University and is a worship leader for the campus ministry at ASU. During their time in the New York church, Steve and Arlene led various ministries while in the full-time ministry, such as the Staten Island Latin Ministry, Staten Island. Latin ministry the region in Manhattan, and started the West New Jersey ministry. That would be the Northwest ministry that we currently have. Uh, fun facts, their daughter Bailey was born in Morristown Memorial Hospital in 1997. They also led youth and family ministry in Westchester for seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the honor of planning and selecting the mission team that was sent to Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, and remained close to those churches. Currently, Arlene is a certified life coach and works part-time in the Baltimore ministry as a woman's counselor, while Steve is the chief revenue officer for a cybersecurity company. As members of the Greater Baltimore staff, Steve and Arlene serve as elders and lead one of the two regions of the Greater Baltimore Church. Steve and Arlene wanted to share that they are excited 
to share their experiences and valuable lessons that God has shown them through the years, uh, through some of the toughest and uh, most challenging times of their lives. They want to share the mistakes they've made, the way they have struggled and uh, fallen short, only to rely on a gracious God who, who uh, gave us all his son to make up for our shortcomings. And without any further ado, I give you Steve and Arlene Rivera. Yay. Hello. Guys. Cameras on and let's let let them see our faces, please. I know it's a, it's early morning and we're getting your coffee and stuff, but mm -hmm. it'll be nice to see you. We have guests, yeah. people. We have guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just got back from a bike ride, so I'm I'm a hot mess myself. I'm sweating, I'm I'm cold and so uh well he was so funny this morning he was like a little um talking so fast i'm like it's still morning he's like i'm okay because once you start doing exercise early in the morning you're like hot wired you know but we're so happy we yes we'd love to see everybody's face i'm a connection person and so seeing people's faces encourages my soul and so that's why i wore orange for y'all because here in baltimore it's raining and um i thought in case you guys were still groggy or exhausted from Fridays and the whole week, we are grateful that you yeah, no, we're grateful time. you guys came up to uh, to hear us. I'm going to share my screen real quick, and then uh, let me see. So we're very honored, guys, to be able to be with family. Um, so, as Sari said, we actually made it on the family tree, Murdochs and Riveras. So it was funny because my cousin was doing the family tree. We're like, oh, the Murdochs. They're on that side. And they're like, okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, only God could do this. You know, that our cousins can marry each other, love each other, have two ch children together. And that ultimately. Yeah. So we, we expect that. the invitation, Russ, for, to the next family reunion. <laughs> uh, but um, look, we're going to jump right in. And uh, we've asked Bailey to share a little bit later. Arlene will be sharing as well what we'll be teaching. But um, you know, I, we're going to talk a little bit about our parenting journey, right? Because um, parenting is a roller coaster. If you're a parent, you know, you got some highs, you got some lows. Sometimes you get those 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 curves, right? Um, I'm mindful and I'm going to date myself, right? But in 1989, there was a movie called Parenthood that had Steve Martin and Keanu Reeves and a bunch of other stars, right? And there was this great scene. And throughout the whole movie, you see the dysfunction of each of the families. And, 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 and if you haven't seen it, it's worth looking at. Um, and there's a single mom. There's uh, a relationship that, that is heading toward divorce. There's, there's, there's a whole host of families. But there's an, the grandma throughout the whole movie seems like she's detached, senile. She has the quote of the movie. She looks at them and she goes, you know, some people like merry-go-rounds, some people like roller coasters. And she smiles and she goes, I love roller coasters. And, and that's kind of emblematic of the movie because the lead guy, Steve Martin, his whole parenting, he, his life is a roller coaster. And it, it's not until he embraces the roller coaster that he actually begins to thrive as a parent. So whichever you like, if you like merry-go-rounds or if you like roller coasters, um, if you're parenting, get ready for a roller coaster ride. Now, the good news is, is that others have gone before you and have survived this roller coaster ride called parenting. 
And so we're going to share a lot of the things that we've learned, uh, most especially, like you heard Sari say, probably from a, a stance of the mistakes we've made, uh, the things that we've learned through trial and error that have worked. Um, some of the things that we share, you're probably going to say, yeah, I've heard that before. I, I've heard that. I know that. Some of the things, hopefully, you'll say, wow, I never thought about that. I never considered that. And we're going to stress some things that, that worked for us in and, and, and hopes that, that they'll, they'll work with you as well. One of the things, um, and, and in terms of, I don't know, honestly, just to be transparent, in terms of the age groups that we have here. Um, however, the lessons that I learned back um, with young children they still resonate with older children. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that there's enough books out there that helps us with a different age group beyond teens. How is it that we parent as having college students or how do we parent a sing, uh, you know, your daughter or son who's single? And how do you parent um, your children when they have a relationship or when they're married. Mm -hmm. So hopefully and prayerfully, maybe we could intertwine it. Mm -hmm. We try to hit all the needs we can. So this is this is our fa our family journey. Uh, you you heard Russ and Sari talk. We became Christians in in the eighties in, in New York. Um, we got married in ninety two. Uh, Bailey was born in Morristown Memorial. We we moved out to Morristown to to start the New Jersey, the West New Jersey ministry. Nino was there. A couple of others that are probably on this call were, were there as well. Uh, my mom got sick. We ended up moving back to New York uh, in Westchester and Cooper was born in New York in, in 2002. <laughs> Bailey was baptized in, in 2011. And that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty special for us. She was 14 when she got baptized. And uh, the interesting thing was at 12, she wanted to get baptized. And I told her, well, honey, if you can't keep your room clean, you can't be a disciple of Jesus. Um, I got discipled on that, uh, but but we 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 started to study with her and, and things like that. Cooper uh, took a little longer. He got baptized when he was like 16, 17 at uh, 2018, and then we moved to Maryland in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. You go, why do people do that? I I, I still don't know, but we moved here and we were appointed elders uh, just last year. And um, we, like we said, we, we lead one of the two regions here. We're partnered up with the Davises who were from Queens uh, and, and we're having a blast. Uh, but this is, this is kind of our journey. This is our tribe. Um, I'll start from the top left there. Uh, that was at Bailey's graduation. You can see Arlene's mom uh, is, is a beautiful woman. I, I anticipate Arlene looking like that when she turns 85. Um, but that was Bailey's graduation. And uh, you know, on, on the top uh, right there, that's Bailey's boyfriend, um, who's also named Stephen. Uh, he's in, on the full-time ministry in, uh, in Georgia. And then the one in the center, you see Bailey and Cooper there. They love each other. That's my favorite picture there. But then uh, Cooper's girlfriend uh, graduated from ASU last year. Uh, they're in the, uh, she's in the singles, he's in campus. Um, and uh, they're, they're doing great. And then the the one there that that's Roxy. You'll see you'll see Roxy here. She she is in IT. Uh, she leads a, a small team. Uh, she loves uh, to give direction. Um, th this is Roxy's world. We're just living in it. 
That's and, Bailey's sheep who that's, but in that's reality, Bailey's, yeah, that's Bailey's that's dog. Our granddaughter. And, and you'll you'll see her. She likes to she likes to get attention. She knows about Zoom and stuff like that. <laughs> uh she she just loves attention. Um, so I wanna I wanna talk about kind of the way we look at things and 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 I want to get into this pretty quickly because uh as a parent, I've always taken the mindset that we are in hostile territory. And as parents, we have to be mindful. You know, I think all of you know First Peter 5, you know, 7 through 9, where it talks about being alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, right, looking for someone to devour. Yeah. I think in this world, more than ever, our children are targeted by the enemy for multiple reasons. One, I believe it's because um, Satan knows that if he can get our kids, he can get us. Nothing in our lives um, was the most, some of the most painful times of our lives are when our children have gone through struggles, whether it was uh, dealing with um, challenges at school, dealing with challenges that were internal in their hearts or in their minds, dealing with those things, and then not being able to help them. And, and I got to be honest that, that those were dark spiritual moments for me and for Arlene, and, and, and this is a recognition, right? We are in hostile territory. So we have to be keenly aware that our children are being stalked on a daily basis. And, and all we need to do is talk about things like social media, the, on, the 24 hour news cycle, uh, things like, um, I mean, I remember the days and I'm gonna date myself when, when uh, running on 12, 30, one o'clock in the morning, the TV would shut off. You would hear the national anthem and then the TV would shut off. Now we live in a 24 hour cycle. And, and this is the first generation. My daughter's generation is the first generation that is living with unfettered internet access in their palms. So all of these things are tools that Satan used. Now we're going to talk about Satan's methods. Now his methods don't change but the, the avenues he uses do change. And so I, I just wanted to alert us that as parents, we have to be hypervigilant. This should push us to our knees. This should cause us to draw closer to God because our children live in a hostile environment. Um, I think that the thing that I've even noticed even more in my own parenting is that although Bailey is 26 and Cooper just turned 21 in June, that I cannot be guard, I cannot lose my guard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So although we are, we this helped us, right? During the toddler years and, and, and middle school years, teenage years. But honestly, I realized that this training that I got early on and the mistakes that I did are helping me to be a mom of a 21 year old because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's women and men there's a the spirit in you tells you that there's things going on that something is off so whether your child lives with lives with you or doesn't live with you mm -hmm. there's still the importance of connection mm -hmm. and to know that you're in a spiritual battle and what we've seen amongst our own friends is that they let their guards down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh well they're in high school they got to figure it out or they're in college you got to figure it out but God has bestowed upon us the Holy Spirit when he left, right? When he ascended back into heaven in the day of Pentecost, he gave the first 
um, church, all the spirit, and now we get baptized and have the spirit of God. The spirit of God is there. God's spirit is in your heart to really guide us and direct us, to help prick us, because the battle doesn't end until we get to heaven. Yeah, that's a great point. And Arlene introduced this kind of concept of connection, and that's what we're going to talk about. So turn your Bibles over to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and uh, we're going to look at this. And, um, you know, Eli, many of you know the story about Eli and his sons, and I just wanted to read this because I, I think it's it's very poignant um, about Eli. And, and you think about Eli, he was a high priest. He was serving in the temple. The high priest had many responsibilities um, to represent the people in the temple. And yet it says in verse uh, 12, uh, let's start in 12. It says, Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priests or the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand, right? So, so they, would, they would go in there and they would supersede and grab the meat. And then if you look down in 22, it also says, Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his son was doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So he said things to them. Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear from spreading. And it, it says that they did not pay heed to their, their father. And, and I, when I read this, I, I thought long and hard about this because, you know, we serve in a lot of capacities, I'm sure like many of you do, right? In, in a church, it takes a lot of people to serve in multiple capacities just to keep the church going. It's a volunteer army. And yet the, the worst thing I think is someone who serves. And then when they look at their first mission field, they look at the church that God had given them in their own home and their own children have no regard for the Lord. And so I, you know, Arlene and I, we, before we even had children, we, we really talked about this and we said, we will not make the mistake of our, the first very church that God is giving us here at home. We're not going to lose our children. Now, the challenge with that is, is that, you know, even Eli being a high priest, uh, didn't, uh, I would dare say he did not have a successful family. And I think we have to define success differently. Oftentimes we define success as, um, you know, we allow the world to define what success is as a parent. And, and some of us think that if our kids get straight A's and they get a 4.7 grade point average and on a varsity team and, and that's success, and then they graduate high school, go to a great college and uh, get great grades and then get a great job out of college, that's success. And I, I got to admit, I, I bought into that at first. And I thought that that was the way to do it. And then I, I read this and I thought, you know, God must define success. And at, at a certain point, we looked at our children and we said, we just want you to do your best and to fall in love with God. That this was our desire. We wanted to raise responsible children who felt loved, uh, who understood their true purpose in life, and that they were connected to us in a way 
that we would like the way for them to remain connected to Jesus and God. You know, I think about that. Eli and his parenting, um, for some reason, he lost influence when they became adults. And um, whether our kids were young or, or as they're now in their adult phases of their lives, we still remain connected with them and we still want to influence them because we feel that not that we are helicopter parents spiritually, but we want to remain connected because we desire, because we saw that God gave us Jesus so that he would die for that connection. We want to imitate that. We want to be like God to our children and allow them to remain connected to us and to, to God through that. So what connection and it could be identified as so many things, but really the connection is the children feeling like they're heard and seen. And sometimes I think that in this new age with mental health and things like that, some of the children, um, some of the, doesn't matter who it is, they throw these words around and they weaponize it, but we still have to hear it. Mm. And when somebody says, you know, being heard and seen. A friend of mine just um, the other day, her daughter did become a disciple. Um, but what she said, she said, I didn't realize how hurt my daughter was when we left a particular island that they were part of. They went on a mission team and the kids were baptized. They, uh, no, the kids were born there. They had to come back because my friend had her family here and they were there out in the mission field for about seven years. And it was time to kind of give the uh, people the reins down there. Um, do you know that the little girl held this on for about over seven years until she was a teen? There was bitterness and sadness. And she would, every time we get together for a D group, she's like, I do not know how to manage and parent my teen. Well, the reality was there was so much hurt that Sometimes we put ourselves and think it's about us, but it's more. Mm, yeah, It's really more. And if we don't connect and see them and willing to hear them out, that's what it means. It's a connection means that I know something's off. Even if it sounds ugly, tell me. And that's what young kids, that's what older children, doesn't matter the age. She had such a fit with her mom. She went rampant with a bunch of things she felt that the dad wanted to rescue and goes, he don't speak. Okay. So they are Latino. And in our culture, you know, she's Colombian. He's Nicaraguan. You know, you don't talk to your mother like that, you know? And she's like, stop. I'm okay. And because culturally there's cultural sins that get in there. Right. The bottom line is, do you know that the girl felt so free that she was able to say things all these years with, um, not holding back, she felt this freedom that her mother's relationship and the daughter's relationship got so much better. Yeah. You know, connection is super vital and, and we can't stress this enough. Um, connecting though can become a buzzword. And, and I want you to understand that it, it takes hard work. And, and in a moment, I'm gonna ask Bailey to share, um, but it means things like active listening, and it, it means being honest with your kids and allowing your kids to be honest with you. Um, it's being the adult in the relationship. And what I mean by that is 
oftentimes my kids will say things and, and, and this is when they were in their, you know, young teen, preteen years, they would say things that would hurt, but I had to be the adult and the disciple in the relationship and not react. So I had to have a poker face and I had to let them work through their emotions because I'm the adult who has known Jesus for many years. And so instead of like reprimanding them for their tone or for the way that they said it, or I had to get through it and help them work through it. And so, um, you know, the big thing too, and right now, after I say this, I'm going to ask Bailey to share, but when they were younger, I would ask them, do you see dad differently at church or act differently at church than he acts at home? Because I wanted to know, was I being a hypocrite? Because I know that hypocrisy can kill a child's faith. It is so easy for us to pretend one way at church, and then when the door closes and the curtains close, to behave differently at home. And our kids see that. So I wanted to make sure that both, and both my kids, and I'll tell a quick story and then I'll turn it over to Bailey. Um, you know, because I worked from home and there was one time where um, Cooper was in the room and, and, and I was talking to one of my employees and, and I was I was letting him have it. And he dropped the ball and I was letting him have it. I hung up with him um, and Cooper goes, Dad, you were yelling at him. And I said, I was. He goes, yeah, I don't think you were being like Jesus at all. And I said, OK, wait right here. I picked up the phone. I called that employee back and I apologized. Now, funny thing is the employee was like, I needed to be yelled at, Steve. I was, I really dropped the ball, right? <laughs> but, but, and, and he's, he's one of my best friends and, and it's Steve Stump. And so uh, Bailey knows him. And so, um, and, and, and I was like, you know, I had to apologize because Cooper had to see me repent. And, and, and Steve was like, I don't think you were, yeah, dude, I didn't think you were out of line. But I was like, I, I, my son said I was, I had to apologize. And so they have to see us repent. They have to see us be humble and that we have to model that for them. Uh, So it does take self-denial. It does take persistence to, to connect with your children. So Bailey, Bailey has a few things to share. um, And uh, so I just wanted to give it, turn it over to her. Hello. Okay, um, so it's funny when my dad um, said that because, um, can anybody hear me? Are we good? I want to make sure we can hear me. Okay. Um, so, you're good. Know, sorry, consider I'll mute myself. Um, okay, so yeah, um, I want to share a scripture because it's funny. Whenever I think of families, I think of um, what is it, Exodus 20, 12, and it says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that your Lord will is giving to you um and I'm like yeah like when you're young you know when you're a child you're like honor my father you know it's like I don't want to I don't want to obey them and it's funny because it's like it's like shouldn't you want to live a long life <laughs> like I feel like it, that's the promise that's given to you like <laughs> obey your parents therefore you will live long and it's like oh cool and that's like this is so easy but as a child it's like I don't want to and this is like that you know the rebellious nature and stuff like that um so it's funny, um, growing up, um, right, got baptized at 14. That's not 
a normal age to get baptized at. I want everyone to know this. This is not, this is because my parents have been in the ministry for so long. I've grown up with this. This is not. So if you're wondering, like, what is my child, is my child going to be baptized at 14, 15, 16? Like, it may not be for a long time. And, you know, I think waiting and praying and being patient and loving them through it is half the battle, if not more than half the battle. Um, so I just want to preface that um, <laughs> I'm still I'm a work in progress. I'm learning so much. Um, so um, a scripture that I did, um, however, um, I felt over the years really has helped me was in Proverbs twenty two six. It's train up a child in the way he should go or she, even when he is old or she is old, he or she will not depart from it. And I thought about it, and I was like, that's that's. Honestly, exactly how my parents have raised me um, in a way where they have trained me, but they've walked with me. I think that's really vital. Um, they have, they, they've helped me through like make different decisions, choices, mistakes I've made. Um, you know, instead of shaming me or being mad at me, they may have been disappointed because it wasn't a decision they would have made, mm. but they still loved me through it. And they put their feelings aside for me. Um, they made a place for me. Mm. And I think that's something that um, I've held um, to my heart. Um, so there's a couple of um, things that I have thought through this was um, consistency. It's probably one of the biggest things that you'll have to go through when you're parenting a child. Um, with regards to spending time as a family, um, there's a few things that I want to share. So consistency, I know it's, it's funny because it's, it's spirit, it's also spiritual as well as just like raising a family, um, consistency with eating each other, with eating, um, with one another, um, like dinner, lunch, or honestly, whenever you get the chance to sit down, <laughs> you can be having a snack. It really, it, you know, it's really okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to be dinner. Um, but yeah, I know like for me, like dinners were like really important, um, because at the end of the day, we'd be like, okay. How was your day? What's going on? You know what I mean? Um, we we um we talked about our highs and our lows during our days or our weeks or the, like, you know be like a Friday be like okay what, what are the highs and lows of the week or the days like hey what, you know it's a Monday what are the highs and lows of this Monday? Um, that was really um I love that I I really I miss that because sometimes I'm at work <laughs> and we don't eat together anymore but it's just because schedules change um being an adult very different um. Another C word. I think there's a lot of C words. Yep, there's like three C's. Oh, this is fun. Okay, so um, the second C is communication. Um, being able to communicate with each other it was key. Um, open communication. Like if I'm feeling something, be like, hey, I'm not having a great day. Please um, like, with me. I'm trying my best. You know, and my parents. You know, like they were working. You know, they would communicate with me like you know as soon as they could. Um, and I know that like, even like when there was like, maybe like a kink in like communication, like we would eventually work it out. Like we would talk. And I think that's like, sometimes like maybe I was upset and like, maybe I lashed out or something, or like, I was like too short. Like my parents were like, what's going on? <laughs> Let's unravel this. You know, I think that was really good. Instead of like judging me, it's like being mad at me. Um, it was, it was helpful because we would eventually talk about it, sit down and, you know, figure it out. Um, and think that was really key because it was important. I think my mom mentioned, um, being seen and heard. Mm -hmm. It's, it's one thing for like, I think for each person being seen and heard is different. So it's like, 
I can look at someone and be like, I'm hearing you and I'm listening. And that's what is important. They need to hear that. They need to hear that they're being heard. Um, or just sitting down, just being receptive. That's also something that some people need, that some children need. Um, I know for me, I needed to feel respected. You know, there's a certain, like, I feel like at a certain age, um, I'm trying to think, that's like, I think, I think it's a middle school. Um, I started to be like, I have thoughts, I have opinions, I know things, certain things, not everything. But I mean, probably with that, I mean, everything back then, but it's probably pretty good. Um, but, but it's, it's like, you need to sit with your children and be like, okay, what's going on? I want to understand. Seeking to understand. Um, it's, it's really um, let's see. Oh, the, um, the next C, the third one is comfortability. Um, being able to have fun, be honest, and be real with your kids and my parents with me um, without the fear of being judged for my mistakes that I've made. Mm. Um, I think it's, um, because I know that like, they may not agree with me. And like I said before, like they may not agree with my decisions. They may not agree with what I think or certain things, but it's okay because there's an open, um, there's openness and comfortability with it. Um, and they helped me, they helped me through it. They're like, you know, I may have had a crazy idea. Hey, you wanna jump off a cliff? Don't do that. That's not smart. Oh, why not? And then like have that, <laughs> have that dialogue. I mean, I know. Um, um, please. Oh God, I wasn't like I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but um, but it was it was um, you know, that was super super important. Um, I think all in all, they made an effort. I think I think if you don't, I mean, if you don't hear everything I say, but like some things, this is the thing. <laughs> they made an effort. Um, they really tried. They didn't give up. Um, they didn't give it to me or my brother. Um, no matter how difficult or hard it was, no matter what kind of stuff we got into, <laughs> no matter what it was, we listened, we heard, and we focused on the love that God had for us individually, but as a family. You know, like you, you know, like um, because we were we were so united. Um, we always found a way to have fun at the end of the day. Um, with devotionals or like game nights like we all we all came together we didn't go to sleep angry mm. um we made sure we loved each other we knew we loved each other um and um yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. so something that bailey and this is on me um so we talk about things that we didn't do right mm. um <laughs> and that was me and steve will always said yeah it's always her but um, I love what Bailey said, you know, making the effort, um, didn't give up. One of the things that Bailey had to forgive me about was, um, I come from a traditional Latin family and although I could be a fashionista and, uh, came from a sales background, yada, yada in my theory. And I come from the days of like always wearing suits looking professional and so bailey got a tattoo <laughs> sit with that imagine a puerto rican woman from the bronx you know traditional no one had a tattoo in my family and if you had tattoo is you got it in jail and that was now i'm dating myself but she called me to say that she had a tattoo i have to tell you something it was the hardest things guys i i really gave up on her at that moment I just didn't want to talk to her. Um, and 
when Bailey said, don't give up on your children, I was an except, I, I did do that in the sense mm-hmm. that I did want to be able to exercise it with her, talk it through with her. All I said was, I thought you're going to wait till you're after college. She goes, yeah, I'm 21. I went after college. You haven't graduated. I'm still paying for your school. And she's like, they would stand up. They kept moving, right? What is it when you move the goalpost? The goalpost. And sometimes we could do that with our kids. No, but I said this, or I said that, and they kind of get confused yeah. as to what am I living up to? That's a good point. And so I have to honestly say, you know, some of us might be saying, oh, this I've heard, or this is what I've done, make an effort. But even the other day, she said, I have some good news, mom. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing the dishes. Okay, I'm doing the laundry. Come with me. And I realized, no, she needed me to be mindful. Yeah. She has some great news. Let me sit and be mindful with her and listen to her. So I do that, guys. I multitask. I think that's great. Everybody, I'm a New Yorker. We should all multitask. But that might not be her her love language. And so we've got to identify what's our children's love language. What's our adult children's love languages, right? Now we're going you know, to spend more time with their boyfriend and girlfriend. I got to now figure out what the boyfriend and girlfriend's love language is, yes. right? And so I'm like, oh gosh. We want like, this to work. Yes, we want to be married <laughs> and not even know. But I think that I appreciate it. Effort, we, I've heard too many times and I've done it myself in my own sin is in my, in my brain, I'll give up. In my brain, I will dismiss her or him. In my brain, because I don't want to get her. So I'll dismiss the situation. I'll dismiss how she feels. I'll dismiss so that I don't have to deal. Yeah. I don't know. Just my, that great. may not be That's you. It's me. That's great stuff. Um, I want to share Genesis 3. because I, I want to, you guys have probably heard this many times, this scripture. I want to look at it from a different standpoint in Genesis 3. Um, you know, what's interesting is that God spoke to Adam and told Adam, that he could eat from any tree in the garden and, and it was all great for food and it was awesome. And, and then he said, but you can't eat from this one tree. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but like God didn't speak directly to Eve. I think he spoke to Adam and expected Adam to transfer that vital information to Eve. and. You know, I think probably Adam, much like I did as a parent, you know, I tried to explain something to my kids. I'm like, look, just just don't do that. And this is what we need to do. And the kids would go, why? And I'm like, well, I don't know why, because we just don't do it. Just, just, just don't touch it. Just don't touch it. And, and I think that that's what Adam must have done to Eve, because when Satan came tempting, look in um, chapter three, verse one, it says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And he, he immediately approached and questioned the message God gave Adam. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree uh, that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. That was not a part of God's instruction to Adam. I do believe Adam took the shortcut 
and said to Eve, look, just, just don't touch it. I'm tired of you asking me about this. Just don't touch it. And, and I think we do that with our kids sometimes. And what we need to do is we need to explain the reasons, especially when they get into those years of preteens. We need to explain the whys. We need to explain the rationale. We need to take the time to communicate the, the motivation to transfer the heart of Jesus into these young men and women that are growing up. But then Satan came and tested her. And, and I think about, you know, when, when you think about how Satan attacked the very first union, the marriage. And you say, well, Steve, this is a parenting workshop. Yeah, but your marriage is vital because Satan attacked that first marriage. The very first siblings had issues. You guys know the story of Cain and Abel. Well, what, where did Cain learn this, right? He learned it because his parents were blame shifters. When God went to Adam, he said, oh, it was that woman you gave me. When, when he, he asked Eve, Eve said, no, it's that serpent you put, right? We have to realize that our marriage, our marriage is the thing that's going to last. The kids ultimately get married and move out of the house, still influenced by us. But this marriage is what's going to last until one of us leaves this earth and meets the Lord. And, and so I, I want to stress that because that is the foundation. And, and oftentimes Arlene would say to me, uh, and again, this is a bit of a confession, is that when our kids would go through something new, and, and look, parenting is the most, I, I have this graphic because it is dynamic. What you did with your children as toddlers to teach them or as school-age kids or as preteen young teens or as college students, it doesn't remain the same. And so we were trying to parent our children as uh, school-age kids, and they were college-age. And, and, and the relationship had to change. We had to grow. We, it became more of a peer relationship. We had to explain the whys, the heart, the motivation. We had to dig deeper. We had to learn more about what they were feeling and validate that. And then try to direct that. But if, if they didn't want to go to the Bible, like oftentimes we, admittedly, we use, we weaponize scriptures with our kids at times. We would use scripture to correct behavior and, and it was wrong. And it wasn't, it, it actually caused them to not want to read the scriptures instead of um, motivating them. And so I think the marriage is important. Arlene and I have decided we're going to be united in this and we've got to help our children now as adults. It's, it's, it makes it more interesting uh, because they see our sin more clearly than ever before. I think, um, but think about there's people that we're seeing, we're at a different point in life where we're seeing our friends who we looked up to in the kingdom who are now in their seventies and have their, and have grandchildren. And their children are either disciples or not disciples, but it's what in Matthew 28 said for all generation. So for those people that feel, you know, that sometimes, oh, parenting classes, my kids are older, or my kid is a disciple, our training never, it doesn't end. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is you're either someone's aunt or uncle, 
you're going to eventually be a grandmother, you know, or a grandfather, or your example of a marriage is going to help your community as neighbors. Yes. Our household, people loved coming over to our household. When Cooper brought all his music friends, lacrosse, and those guys, you know what happens with teens? They don't smell pretty. They don't understand Paco Roban or Verberry, whatever. You know, they don't believe, they think taking a shot was every three days. And so I realized that if it, if it was to win my son over to understand God and cement him in God or to win his friends over, we're everybody's, our marriages are other people in communities, you know, um, connection to God. One of the things I did want to share very quickly, it, you don't have to turn, it's back in Genesis 3 when it says um, that Eve went ahead and she grabbed the fruit and she gave it to her husband. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it visualized that. It, it was kind of an epiphany this week because isn't it as women, we go ahead and try and fix things mm -hmm. immediately? And then what happens is we dive in and we're like, why are things going wrong? There's chaos, there's mess. Very similar to, to Eve. She went ahead and led that, grabbed the fruit and allowed her emotions or allowed her, um, just her own self gratification of wanting to make something happen. Women want to make things happen. And we think, we're all, you know, this is it. This is what we're supposed to do. Not really. Staying still, praying, mm. right? Giving it to God, praying for wisdom. That's how God changes our marriages, our children, our life, our home life. She didn't do that. She dove right in. I felt like her. I was like, no, don't. You know, it's like, and, and then we wonder why there's not a, a peace in our house. And we want peace, peace, because we want to fix it. I just want you guys to, you know, kind of sit on that, see if that resonates in your life. Yeah. You know, this idea of connection and Bailey talked about some of these things. Um, you know, this idea of connection is it started with God, right? God desired connection with us after the fall. The rest of the Bible talks about God's pursuit of his children and God's pursuit of us. And through Jesus, his death, burial resurrection brings us that restoration of connection and i want you to think about in your parenting about how jesus and the way he always sought connection with people even during his time on earth he was always seeking connection and it broke down barriers of gender barriers of socioeconomic barriers of 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 racial you know with the samaritans and and it, he just always sought connection now think about that in your own childhood, right? And this is what I mean about at a heart level. Sometimes our children are going through things and what they need for us to do is to go back to our childhood. And, and I was talking to Arlene about this yesterday. I was like, I don't know why, but like, I remember my childhood in like Technicolor vividly. <laughs> I remember the feelings of inadequacy. I remember the feelings of trying to fit in uh, in a private school, but going to school, but living in East Harlem and not fitting in at uh, at home, 
uh, because they said I was a goody two shoes because I went to school every day. And then going to a private school that I was called the Spanish kid and, and I was the poor kid. Um, I was the, uh, the, the token Hispanic in my school. They were only four Hispanics and I was one of them. Um, and so always trying to fit in and that feeling of, you know, inadequacy and, and I'll never fit in no matter where I am. So I was always adapting and that, that feeling of insecurity or that fear of being found out. I mean, I, I, I relive those moments. And then those are the things that I talk to my children about how I felt when I was ridiculed, when I was felt, uh, when I was told, go back where you came from, you know, things like that. And, and we have to go back to those moments and, and connect to our children at a heart level. Yeah. I didn't have a cell phone growing up. Yeah. I didn't have internet access, but uh, you know, I didn't have social media and, and, and yet there are things that they're feeling that are still at the core of insecurity, wanting to fit in, uh, desiring to be accepted that all of us have experienced. And uh, that's what connection is, is, is going back to those moments and being courageous enough through our walks with God to, to open that door and show our children that we have made mistakes. I made bad choices. And these were the consequences of those choices. I want to help you avoid them. When the time comes, share with your kids the choices that you made and the mistakes that you made and the associated consequences, right? They don't want a friend. They want a seer or a guide. They want a Sherpa that can help them up this mountain and, and help them guide them through this. And that was something I think, I mean, we made a lot of mistakes with our kids, but I think this is something we got right, this connection. I mean, there were things that, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things that we did that were really funny. Um, when, when, and I hope she doesn't mind that I share this, but like, like when Bailey was a, a, a 10, 11, 12 year old, Twilight was the rage, <laughs> right? You guys remember that vampire show? You know, and, and we would read the books and I've read every Twilight book. I read Eclipse. I read New Moon. I read all that stuff. And we read them together and we talked about them. Some of the content was a little sketchy, but I used it as an opportunity to explain to Bailey that this was inappropriate behavior for teenagers, right? That, that you shouldn't be doing these things. And, you know, you might feel these emotions with someone, but that's okay. This is how to handle it. I used all of that stuff. We've read other books together. For Cooper, um, he was completely different. He didn't read a book all through high school. Stop right? it. He took one. No, no, no. He he faked it, right? So, <clears throat> and he would, if he were here, he'd admit it. Um, but, but like his thing was being outdoors. And uh, I'm a city kid. I grew up in Harlem. Um, he loved to fish. And I'll tell you, and I, I've told him this, um, I didn't like fishing. Like if I caught a fish, I couldn't take it off the hook. It grossed me out. So he would do it. And, <laughs> but we spent, especially during the pandemic, we spent hours fishing because Arlene was the one who said, Steve, you've got to connect with him and you've got to get in there with him. He's going through all his body was changing. He, you know, he was going through changes emotionally and not understanding them. So we would spend time fishing. I'll tell you, most of the time, we didn't talk much. But that one or two times, he would ask me, hey, dad, have you ever gone through this? 
those were like treasured moments. And to this day, um, we're still really close. And, and when I go out to Arizona on business, I make a, a point to spend an extra day or so with him because he knows that I want to spend time with him. And we share those moments together. But that's the consistency. <clears throat> that's what Bailey was saying about consistent. So now he has other likes that he, he likes hiking. He likes stargazing. He's in Arizona and he likes hunting. Who would have known a Puerto Rican? I told you he was a, a cowboy. Told you he was a Puerto Rican redneck. He's a Puerto Rican redneck, cowboy hat, boots. Yes. And so Steve went shooting. And so did Bailey. And in the Bronx and in New York, and it's hard for this group because we're in Jersey, New Yorkers, all this stuff. We go, anybody who owns a gun or wants to shoot it, I don't know. But we had to come to grips that life is different somewhere else. Yeah. And living and understanding his world was okay. Yeah. And so for Steve, this is what Bailey said about not only the connection, but the consistency. It didn't stop just to win Cooper over, whether he became a Christian or not. Sometimes as parents, we stop doing the fun things because like, ah, oh, he's got his own life. Cooper called me the other day. He goes, I just miss spending time. I miss cuddling. Mm -hmm. And he's 21. Hey, I'm on my way to this place, but I was thinking about you. And you don't realize there's a lot of things that they miss that they did with you as a parent when they were little. The question, the question I want to put out is just let's not give up the older they get. Yeah. And let's cement those practicals <laughs> since they're little. Yeah. Let me share something really quick. I don't know where it would fit, but don't ever think that um, compliance, being compliant Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Here, everybody's like, Miss Arlene. Yes, ma'am. And don't, don't think that compliancy is obedience. Some of us think that if our kids are straight A's and not, and not causing a havoc, they're okay. Mm -hmm. No, I like when my daughter is sassy because then I get to disciple her, whether she wasn't a disciple. I still, she's, you know, my friends were like, you like what? Yeah. You know? But I don't mind it because I have yeah. friends that their kids have to be straight A's or straight laced. And now I don't mind if Cooper crosses the line on certain things. How else are we going to help him? The thing that I mind and it scares me is the quietness in that in that mind. Mm. Compliance. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it leads me to the next uh, scripture I wanted to share in Exodus 32. And for sake of time, I won't read it. But you all know the story of Aaron. Um, Heaving into the pressure when Moses was up in the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights, and, and the people were like, you know, he's not coming back. And, and, and he says, all right, collect up all the gold. And, and he made a golden calf. And, um, you know, what's interesting is in verse 21, um, it says, when Moses comes back down, um, he said to Aaron, what did these people do to you? that you led them into such great sin. Do not be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. And he said to me, make us gods and go down before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And they gave me the gold. I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Right. And you all go, that is ridiculous, Aaron. I mean, what you you know how long it takes to, to melt gold down and to fashion it after a calf. 
you had this plan. You know what amazes me isn't the fact that that happened, right? Things can go off the rails pretty quickly. What amazes me is that God forgave Aaron and still used him. Moses forgave Aaron and still worked with him. Aaron then in his whole lineage became those who served in the temple as high priests and priests. And I take that and I look at it as with our children. And I think the power of forgiveness and restoration is one of the most powerful things we as parents don't access. Think about the last time your child, your son or your daughter messed up. You know, how did you treat them? Did you treat them the way God treated Aaron? Quick restoration, quick forgiveness, shower them with grace? Or did you put them in the doghouse? Did you make them feel guilty for what they did? Did you make them feel less than? Did you remind them? See, that's the thing that sometimes we've done is that we've reminded our kids of the mistakes that they made last week, last month, last year, and make them feel less than. And it's it's tough, man. But the power of forgiveness and restoration is what will help our children feel free and not have that bag full of guilt and, and, and feel full of hope because that will lead them to God because that is the way our God is. And, and, and I'd rather be gracious than be like the Pharisees that would hold things over people's heads in the name of righteousness. Well, um, I, as I get, I love the youth ministry. Obviously we're in youth and family love working with singles. But the thing that keeps recurring in my conversation is some of us might think that our children are in vaping, Mm. right? Or that are not medicating themselves in different ways, vaping or, and some of us are like, no, that's not my son or that's not my daughter. And we're, but we're losing in this world so many children. There was a, there's a disciple in Colorado whose children were kingdom kids. And it was just a crazy night. I don't want to scare, well, the spirit maybe wanted me to say it, but his children went to a high school party, the both sons. And I think it was the first time trying vaping or marijuana and it was um, laced with fentanyl. The whole family, the mother and the husband were disciples, the kids were kingdom kids and they lost them both. Mm. And today I could still cry right now. And I, I was going to, we were going to share another example, but I don't know why that one came. Mm. And the reason it came is because the children and the people that I'm talking to that have the vape or medicated is because somehow they don't feel a forgiveness, an acceptance. They don't feel hope. So they want to quiet their minds. Mm. Sometimes they use the internet. When I say the internet is that the truth is we're watching Netflix. My daughter's like has a TV in her room. Ask her when she turned it on because she wants to medicate with, with or not medicate, but she wants to watch a TV with Netflix. She goes, medicate with Netflix? Oh, that's an idea. But yeah, so some of us do medicate with Netflix, but she has it on her phone, right? And so they get themselves busy so they don't have to exist. There was another example here in Baltimore that a, a husband that we're discipling a couple their kids were disciples 
and basically sinned. They sinned. But he says he regrets the way he treated them. He, there was the, a lack of love, a lack of acceptance. There wasn't a humility to be willing to walk with them, like Bailey said, and listen to them and hear them, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, this, this brother would withhold his affection when the kids were not behaving in a spiritual manner. So it was the exterior things that he focused on going to church, reading their Bible, doing their devotionals, things like that. And he would withhold his love. And this was as teenagers. Now, the four kids don't want to have anything to do with church. And now as adults, he's gone back and with incredible humility, has apologized, has asked for their forgiveness, has sought to connect with them as adults. And, and the story is still not done. They're repairing their relationship, which leads me to something else. And I know that, that uh, I just, I got to share this because I've got a new conviction on this one. You guys know about the parable of the vineyard, the workers in the vineyard that Jesus taught. Some people come early and they were pay, paid a denarii or something. And, and then some people came midday and then some people came at the end of the day. And Jesus said that the uh, landlord paid them the same amount as the people who started at the beginning. And the pe people at the beginning got an attitude. They're like, wait, we worked the whole day and you paid us the same amount as the people who just came at the last minute. And, and, and we, we, we hear that and we go, okay, well, Jesus is teaching something. I, I applied that differently. I applied that, you know, there's some of our kids that will become Christians early in their adolescence. There's some of our kids that will become Christians in college or as adults, and then there are some that will come at the very end of their lives, and we won't be here to witness it on this side of eternity. But is it not the lesson of the parable of the vineyards that it doesn't matter when they come, that they just receive grace? And so whether your children are young, uh, college age, or they're adults, it's never too late. And that's the whole idea of forgiveness and restoration. Sometimes we need them to forgive us for what we've messed up. Sometimes we need to forgive them. But the goal for God is always restoration. It's not perfection because that's why we need a savior and that's why we need God's grace. Um, I just want to end on a couple of practicals and then, uh, and then talk uh, and then take some questions. You know, the, these are all spiritual practicals, and we we taught our children this from an early age, and 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 we hope that that they will take this on to their families and teach them. But respect, and we we taught them to respect us as parents, not because we knew better, but because God had placed us here for a short amount of time to teach them how to respect God ultimately, and there would come a point where our relationship would change and become more as uh, peers. And, and that's, that's kind of where they are now. We, we take their guidance. We, we, we listen to them now as our brother and sister in Christ. Um, we wanted to teach them also how to master self-control and discipline. This is something that we tried to teach them early on, but the, the crux of everything was gratitude. Um, we live in an age where children are growing up so entitled that we wanted our children to be grateful for the little things. There were times in our lives where we had plenty. There were times in our lives where we were 
you know, scraping nickels together to uh, to get to fill the gas tank. Right. Um, there was a time where Arlene was looking in the couch cushions of the car to, to pull out nickels and dimes in New Jersey just to get. And, and that was when gas was ninety nine cents a gallon. Yes. Right. So that you know yes. how long ago that yes. was. World. Right. So, but gratitude. Right. How to, how to manage their time um, so that that they don't have to be overwhelmed with stress. Right. This is something that's really key. And then, um, and then mostly importantly, in the last section there, take responsibility for their actions. I think that was something that we, there were always consequences, good consequences, right? If you exercise, you become healthier, bad consequences. If you don't brush your teeth, you're going to have cavities and you're going to have to visit the dentist, right? So there's good and, and negative consequences. Um, I wanted to go back to the gratitude part because even today, as we all are studying the Bible, with our friends and, and, and even our church members, one of the things that I have to guard my heart is gratitude. Mm. Gratitude for the hard times. And obviously Russ and Sari have been in our lives. Nino has been in our lives. Miss Lady, a bunch of you guys know, losing my sister. And I'll have to tell you, I wasn't very grateful during the time that Many of you know Lorraine, she was out in New Jersey and she passed away very quickly after a trip to Santo Domingo, <clears throat> serving in the church there. And she passed away two months, three months later of lupus. The gratitude, the reason it's so important to teach them that it's not like throwing it in their face, but being able to have a conversation mm. about being grateful about the hard times. And it will set them up to win but then remembering the good times too. Isn't it fun that we did this? Isn't it fun that we did that? Keeping whatever, if you, oh, one thing, if you guys don't have memories or things that you guys do, whether it's a vacation or whether it's a staycation, I have to tell you, I found out recently that there's parents that don't do those special things. I just think everybody did, right? And, and I didn't grow up that way, but we do it. And it's taught my children gratitude. So this Thanksgiving, we actually, Stephen decided not to, to invest all his the vacation money, even for our anniversary, which is fine. Great. We're happy. We're going to Vermont. And we've invited Bailey's boyfriend and Cooper's girlfriend. Do you know how grateful both of those kids are? They were, they're not kingdom kids. But the reason we're going to Vermont is because Cooper asked us, said, Mommy, we were, we're, I'm so grateful for the times that we grew up with Titi Lorraine in Vermont for Thanksgiving. And mind you, I don't know how many Puerto Ricans do that, maybe. But anyway, and they loved it so much. They want to go to the Van Trapp house, the Ben and Jerry thing. We go to the Christmas, uh, Christmas Yankee candle. But Cooper asked, can we go? Can Gabby go? She's never seen the Vermont. She's from California. And then Bailey's boyfriend is from Nashville. He didn't grow up with a big family. So guys, that's gratitude. You'll start seeing that your children want to emulate your life yeah, no, and emulate what you've done for them. That's Does a that make great, it's a great point. Creating traditions. It's Cooper um, recently for his campus ministry. He was calling me. He was like, dad, how, how do you make a bagnit? How do you make a, a pork shoulder, a roasted pork shoulder? Uh, Puerto Rican style, because I want to do it for campus. And then, um, and, and I want to invite a few of my friends. And arroz con gandules. And then, okay, thanks. So, so and, then, and, then, and then he said, well, dad, now more people are coming over. I got to do arroz con gandules now. How do I do that? And so we were on the phone and, 
And, and, and then he ended up having like 35 people over the house. And I thought, that's what we used to do like as a family. And he's recreating that out in Arizona. And, and so these traditions end up um, really being values. foundational for them. Core values. And, and we would make everything special. And like, even if we couldn't afford to do a big vacation, we would play car. We played Uno. No, we played so Uno so much that those darn Uno cards were dog-eared, <laughs> torn up. I mean, we just and and, and so again, it, it really is. And I, I want to end on this. Um, you know, what are you going to do differently today? Right after learning that your children are in hostile territory, you know, you got to be thinking about one, two three things that you're going to do differently because it's too important. This next generation is too important. And I will say, no matter how old your kids are, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. It is never too late to start doing traditions. Apologize to them. Hey, I wasn't this, but hey, I'm going to start doing this. Hey, I learned this this weekend. I want to put this into practice. Is there anything in me that you see to help me yeah. to get closer to God, to heaven? Is there anything that I could be doing better? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, uh, I hope that, that there's a couple of things that you learned. I mean, we'll, we'll take questions. I mean, um, Russ, Sarah, I, I know that you said uh, 1115, so we're about two minutes over, but uh, just, I, I'd love to take any questions and any, you know, I, I'll check the uh, yeah. chat as well. Yeah, guys, thank you. Thank you so yeah, much. thank you so much. This has been thank great. You. Thank you. And so what let's let's kind of do a couple of things. If you have a question, if you could put it in the chat.